Hello and welcome to Hoops Royalty. I'm King Jemison alongside, as always, Carnavagatraj. And we are here to bring you many, many, many Royal Hoops takes about the Memphis Grizzlies and the wider NBA landscape. And Karna, the countdown begins in earnest. The Grizzlies have a game, a regular season game, in nine days. The preseason hype is at unbelievable levels given that this is a team whose best player is going to miss the first 25 games but we're so excited about everything else that we're not even paying attention to that but before we get into is our, is our basketball 25 games <laughs> sorry sorry i couldn't help myself sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> before we get into the basketball because there's a lot to say i gotta know um how is this midwest fall treating you because it's starting to turn on us a little bit <laughs> i'm so cold all the time <laughs> it's like it's and you'll experience this in chicago and you are experiencing this in chicago 56 degrees is not 56 degrees right it's like yeah 30 um uh, but you know i'm making it I'm excited for basketball season to start you know not just for the grizzlies but i live near rocket field uh mortgage field house rocket mortgage field house some corporate um, sponsor, yeah. Yeah, so excited to see the Cavs play, excited to watch the Grizzlies come to town uh, on April 10th. So excited. Counting down the days. Yeah, it's definitely starting to get to that season where I miss the M. I mean, I miss the M all the time, but right Ooh. now, as we start to get into a Midwest winter, I really miss the M. The weather's fine now, but you can just tell the dark days are on the horizon. Thankfully, we will have the Memphis Grizzlies to get us through those dark days. Maybe Karna will have the Texas Longhorns in the college football playoff. Time will tell on that one. But Karna, there's been a lot happening in the Grizzlies world over these past uh, this past week, and there's a lot to look forward to with the season. So should we get right into it? Absolutely. Let's do it. I hear that you have a royal decree for us. Are you ready for me to hit that gavel of justice? I'm always ready. That's the gavel of justice. That means it is time for Carnavankatraj's royal decree. Hit me with it. Zaire Williams will have a positive war season. What that means is, is a wins above replacement. So if you're not familiar with the advanced stats, what that means is you take an average guy in the NBA and you measure how good a player might be above that average player. In the last two years, Zaire Williams has had a negative war, wins above replacement. My royal decree is that his improvement in the offseason, somewhat on the defensive side of the ball, but mostly on the offensive side of the ball, will yield his first positive war season, meaning that he has improved pretty drastically, but I'm kind of using an advanced stats rather than a points-per-game thing, which will also tell us that he's improved. More than minutes played, it will give us an encompassing stat to see how much Zaire Williams has improved. So that's my royal decree. Zaire Williams will improve such that he has a positive war season and a positive vorps, um, which is above replacement players as well. Kind of a similar statistic. Um, basically, we've seen the improvement with the eye test. That will translate to an advanced stat showing us that Zara Williams is an improving player. Okay, to be honest, this might sound like kind of a, a soft royal decree, but this would be such a big deal if he is a positive wins above replacement player. Because that has not been the case for Zaire Williams, and he is literally the missing piece. So 
I got to give the full stamp of approval for your royal decree. Thank you very much, Karna. Thank you very much. That was what Grizzlies fans needed to hear, and it lines up with everything we've seen in the preseason. Zaire Williams is playing really well. In the preseason, and I know this is on extremely low sample size, but still meaningful, he's shooting 50-40-90. 45% from three, to be more accurate. Okay, 50-40-80. He's only four or five from the free throw line, but you know, he's going to make the next five. That'll, that'll be 90% in a heartbeat, but... His shooting splits look good. Most importantly, he looks comfortable as a player. We said it on the show last week that the game is slowed down for him and that he's more comfortable making plays for himself and others off the dribble. He's more comfortable attacking closeouts. We've seen some movement shooting from him in the last couple of games that's really encouraging. This shows that maybe he's not just going to be the stand-in-the-corner guy. Maybe he can be a, a wing threat from three as well. I love what we've seen from Zaire Williams, and I do think that his offensive improvements, along with a 6'10 athletic frame that'll help him on defense, means he can get to your royal decree. He can be a positive player. I'm excited for him. Look, I I think, you know, one thing I think that will be interesting to track as the season goes on is, is, yeah, the advanced stats, minutes played as well. Not not that that's an advanced stat, but... I would want to see, too, is he as a, much of a liability on defense? And that really depends on how his knee is feeling, right? Yeah. How does the lateral quickness look? How does that eye test kind of match up with the advanced stats? All that's to say is, look, I know a lot of maybe Grizzlies fans, especially the more pessimistic ones, will sit here and say, well, look, like we've seen flashes before. He had a whole rookie year where he was like pretty good, and then he had a sophomore slump. Like what's – Look, you got to get excited for the kids somehow, right? Like, he's showing us that he's improved. He's showing us that he cares. He's showing us that, you know, he's moving better. He's showing us that he's fitting better into the system. So let's get excited for the kid. You know, I, I, I'm not the one that's looking for, you know, reasons to be upset. So I, I'm excited for his season. I think other Grizzlies fans should be as well. Count me in that bucket of excited Grizzlies fans because I am absolutely excited about Zaire Williams go Stanford by the way I think he can fulfill his promise this year and you know we kind of laughed at him when he said uh, nobody worked harder than me in the offseason or and we kind of laughed when we saw the videos coming out of him working out in the offseason we're like okay this doesn't really mean anything yeah (laughs) but it's meaningful now yeah he's doing it in NBA games yeah and again the stats don't tell everything in the preseason you kind of have to throw out stats a little bit but the way he looks the eye test is proving that, that he's ready to take a yeah. step so can we heard from my role decree what's yours man Do yeah me- let's get that gavel out again yeah my royal decree mr carnavancatrage is that desmond bain will be an all-star this season and the grizzlies will now have three all-star players on the roster at the same time. And let me tell you a little bit about why. Desmond Bain is going to be an all-star because he's going to be asked to do more offensively this season, and he can handle that that burden. He's ready to take on a bigger role. Last year, Desmond Bain only got 3.4 possessions per game as a pick-and-roll ball handler. 
but he scored in the 69th percentile on those possessions. In other words, he can handle those creation pick and roll opportunities. Meanwhile, John Morant had the highest number of pick and roll ball handling possessions per game in the entire league. John did it almost 13 times per game. So if you redistribute some of those pick and roll opportunities and give them to Desmond Bain, that is naturally going to lead to more points, more assists. And frankly, I think he can do it almost as efficiently as John Morant. His pick and roll game is going to look different. Desmond Bain is going to maybe do more mid-range pull-ups. He's going to use that screen to free himself for an open three at the top of the key. He's going to do the downhill des and, and finish with his right hand on what looks like a low percentage shot, but somehow he kisses it off the glass perfectly every time. It's not going to be going in and dunking on people because, you know, Desmond Bain got a breakaway in one of the recent fast break, one of the recent preseason games, and he still didn't dunk it. He's a low air player, but he's also a low miss player if we're talking about shooting. And I think he's going to fill it up in the pick and roll. I also think we're going to see him get more plays coming off the screen. Last year, he only had two possessions per game of coming off a screen. Clay Thompson, for context, got six. I would love to see the Grizzlies build more of their offense around Desmond Bain, get him more uh, opportunities to run off a screen for an open three. And then you're also going to see a lot of transition opportunities and a lot of handoff opportunities for Desmond Bain, both of which he was already top 10 in the league in frequency last year. And I think those numbers are going to stay right there. When you augment the handoffs and the transition with more pick and roll and more shooting off screens, it's going to be a big offensive season for Desmond Bain. It's going to be an all-star season for Desmond Bain. I uh, co-signed that. I I wanted to talk to – let me ask you a question, King. What was Desmond Bain's best season? Do you think it was last season? I think it was. um, Okay. There are parts of of his game that just didn't look as good after the toe injury. Yeah. Um, He certainly wasn't able to uh, create the same amount of space for his jumper. But um, I think we were maybe more enchanted by his breakout in his sophomore season. He was a much more well-rounded player, though, in his third season. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. His offensive load, which is a metric that – basically talks about his creation potential or creation from historical data was the highest it's ever been. So you can almost extrapolate from that data and say the Grizzlies front office asked him to do more. And not only did all of his stats improve, true shooting percentage and just the counting stats as well, but he was a more efficient score. He was asked to do more. He met the challenge and I completely agree with this from an advanced stats, it makes perspective from a just eye test on the court. It makes sense. I'm ready for Desmond Bain to take that next step. So I did a little legwork on your um, roll to Creek because I was interested. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I comped him. I comped Desmond Bain to Bradley Beal, right? They are asked to do different things, but... If you look at portability, which is a metric that measures how well Desmond Bain would fit with just four random players in the NBA, comparing that he's in the 98th percentile right now. That means that Desmond Bain not only shines in the Grizzly system, but has developed the skills out on the court through hard work to be successful in almost every other system as well. 
Bradley Beal's only at 75. True shot percentage for Desmond Bain, 60.6%. Um, basically, he outperforms Bradley Beal on almost every single metric except creation, right? So what I'm what all that's to say is that I believe Desmond Bain will have one just as good as, if not a better season than Bradley Beal from an advanced stats perspective. And I agree with with um, King's taste. I just hope that voters and the media see that what we see in Desmond Bain. That's always been the challenge for the Memphis Grizzlies team. You know, John Morant is out there in your face and and really flamboyant and and becoming the face of the league. Desmond Bain just isn't that guy, but he's such an effective and efficient basketball player and, you know, a real hallmark guard in the West. I hope he gets his chance. I hope he doesn't fly under the radar. Like we've seen other Grizzlies players in the past kind of fly under the radar. Uh, Mike Conley, for example. So that's, I hope he doesn't fall into that trap from an advanced stat perspective. I love Desmond Bain and more people in the NBA should get to know his game and vote him into the NBA uh, All-Star game. And by the way, it's not just the advanced stats. I mean, Desmond Bain is uh, in the top 10 in the league in scoring per game right now in the preseason, and he's doing it in very limited minutes, averaging 21 points per game in 24.7 minutes per game. So if we bump that up, which would be irresponsible to do a direct correlation, but we bump that up to the 36 minutes per game he played last year in the regular season. It's going to be a pretty gaudy scoring season for Desmond Bain. Also, I expect to see more assists from him. Um, Last year, he averaged about the same number of assists as he's averaging this preseason, but again, in significantly more minutes. And so I think you're going to see him average around four to five assists per game this season. He's averaging four assists per game in the preseason, but again, that's in 25 minutes per game. So if you see that average go to five in the regular season, I wouldn't be surprised. Could Desmond Bain average 25, five and five? I think so. Yeah. Particularly why John Moran is out. I could definitely see it. And then um, one thing I also did was I comped him to Shea Gilgis-Alexander as like a high-end comp. We think of SGA as this next-gen guard. Um, again, Desmond Bain performs really, really well next to SGA. Obviously, SGA has the edge as like a slightly better guard, if we're just being honest. Yeah. From a versatility perspective. But again, you know, he's right on track for true, true shooting percentage, for shot quality, for efficiency stats. Look, this guy is improving every single year. He has the right mentality. It's going to be a hallmark year for Desmond Bain. From an advanced stats perspective, from an eye test perspective, from getting the Grizzlies falling the playoffs perspective, he's he's. This might be a little too much, but he's starting to become one of those guys who may not outwardly be the heart and soul of a team, but in the locker room, if this guy doesn't get going, then we're not going to have like a solid shot at winning anything. Um, yeah. And, and the, the person I compare him to is some of those Rockets teams with James Harden. James Harden was clearly the star. And if he, if he didn't score, yeah, we were not going to do well. But guys like Eric Gordon, right? Yeah. Those role players, um, not saying Desmond Baines is a certified star, so it's a little different. But if Eric Gordon was hitting, you know, four or five threes a game and scoring efficiently, we didn't have a hope of winning. So I think Desmond Bain um, is going to be a really important role player, or rather star, 
alongside John Moran, but um, the efficiency stats are improving, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this season. Desmond Bain needs to get 10 threes up per game, please. And no one stands to benefit, statistically speaking, more from John Morant's suspension. And I think that is a good segue to our uh, News of the Realm segment. And for that, we need those trumpets. In the News of the Realm segment, we discuss the biggest news surrounding the Grizzlies and the NBA. This week, we unfortunately have a little bit of bad news for the Grizzlies to discuss, and and that is something we kind of already knew, but John Moran's suspension will not be reduced. Uh, Joe Dumars uh, in the NBA discipline office came out and basically said, yeah, the 25 games is the 25 games. Um, CBS Sports and The Athletic both carried uh, his his full quote, so I'm not going to read them all here, but suffice it to say... He wants the best for Ja Morant. They're very happy that Ja is going to be practicing and traveling with the team. They think that's what's going to help him truly grow. But the 25 games is going to stand, um, at least as of now. On the flip side, it does look like Ja will be ready to come back on that 26th game. So uh, Grizzlies fans who want to make the trip down to New Orleans, December 19th, I don't think it's just a date that's been teased uh, and dangled in front of us by the NBA. I think that's really when John Morant is going to come back. I believe he will fulfill any of the requirements the league is asking him to because he is overall being a model citizen um, and being quiet, but also uh, showing that uh, he's ready to make some some major changes. Now, Karna, there's also the little factor of other suspensions that are happening at the same time as Jaws that aren't really vibing with me. Do you want to get into those other suspensions a little bit? Yeah. I mean, Miles Bridges uh, was going to be suspended for 10 games this season. I'm guessing this is going to increase pretty drastically. Um, Josh Primo suspended four games. Look, is it consistent? I, I think we can both agree. Probably not. Right. John Morant getting the largest suspension made was in NBA history, right? For 25 games, like non outside of Gilbert, right? Gilbert had like 80. I don't know. I don't know. All this to say. I believe there were some longer ones for uh, PEDs as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. All that's to say is you're right. This is the, the notes say that this is not necessarily a consistent approach to discipline from the league. It's clearly a move to protect the shield in a lot of ways. John Morant was on his way to being the face of the league in a city that had never had a face of the league, right? In a city that has been ravaged by gun violence. Mm -hmm. The league made a conscious decision to say, this is not okay from one of our star players. It's this behavior and this kind of gun culture, this allusion to gun culture is not okay. It's not okay from the league. It's not okay from any perspective, right? We need you to be the face of the league. I think this was a corrective measure because they suspect that Jaw will be important for the league going forward. And this will be the final correction that he has to have. They came down hard with the expectation that now John Morant's camp knows nobody's playing. And it seems from the messaging from John Morant's camp, they understand 
right? They understand the severity, and I think you'll learn from this. I'm okay with the 25-game suspension now. I'm not going to comp it to anyone else. I just want John Moran. I'm only worried about the Grizzlies at this point, right? So I just want him to learn from it, move forward, and let's never let something like this happen again. Let's not let's not create a story, you know, of what it what it what could have been a thirty for thirty five years from or ten years from now that King and I are watching, sobbing to because John Morant messed up what could could be a dynasty. Let's take this pivotal moment and actually create the Grizzlies dynasty. That's my only message for John Morant. Listen, I hear what you're saying. You're saying, and I agree. Um, it's not jaw suspension that's bothering me right now. It's the fact that these other suspensions, which are the league telling you what they value from the league office, the suspension that they deliver to a player is communicating to you what kind of behavior they see as detestable and that the league needs to be rid of. And I get it that Miles Bridges was actually suspended for 30 games, technically, but was only going to serve 10 games in this season. But guess what? Now it's going to be much, much longer because he threw billiards balls through his ex-girlfriend's car while their children were in there. You shouldn't be playing in the NBA, in my No, opinion. he should be done. Should and be done. why are we going with a 30-game suspension before that point? The, the data was already there to tell you that this guy needed to be out of the league. And if he was going to return this season prior to this second incident uh, with the billiards balls that has him actually currently facing an arrest. Um, even before that, the suspension needed to be longer to say, okay, if we're going to give John Morant 25 games for something that wasn't illegal, that is just a bad example, then we need to give Miles Bridges something a whole lot bigger to prove that actual violence, particularly violence against women, is something that has no place in our league. Absolutely. Instead, they gave them basically equivalent suspensions, and now Miles Bridges is back in the headlines for the worst reasons i would assume he's never coming back in the league i think this is this is two very serious strikes and you're out but either way i don't like the messaging same thing for primo primo's not currently on any team okay so i guess the nba feels like the suspension's been met um been delivered in the sense that nobody wants to sign him however giving him just four games that being the league's discipline for indecently exposing himself allegedly nine times to a clinical psychologist who worked for the Spurs. That is horrific conduct. And again, the league has an opportunity to send a message there too. They give four games, John Morant got 25. So imaging is everything. The league is showing that because Jaws case is more public, they're going to come down harder. But what that's telling me is that they care more about keeping a clean image than actually delivering fair discipline. Yeah, but I, I don't think this is – this is not just the NBA. I think it's any sort of corporation or business would do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I don't fault them. Sorry, it is despicable the way that – Miles Bridges acted and Josh Primo acted and they should never play in the NBA again. I would be fine not seeing them ever play, ever pick up a basketball. I don't really care. At least in Bridges case. I mean, Primo, yeah. I think, you know, if he gets a second yeah. chance well down the line, I think that's different. We, we, we need to believe in second chances, but, but yeah, I, Bridges had his second chance. Bro, 
trust me, yeah. But my, my and and we we see other cases like this in the NBA. I don't fault the NBA. I I think it's inconsistent. I think it's unfair. I think it's not right. I don't fault the NBA from acting differently than any other multinational organization looking to clean up clean up its image. Like I, I don't have the expectation that like the NBA is like some arbiter of justice in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. My my argument is like Jaw's gonna get the suspension. He's gonna have to serve it in a vacuum. Yeah, I'm only focused on the like the culture of our team, and that's what I concern myself with. The Charlotte Hornets are a dumpster fire. Yeah, they just are. Um, the Spurs run a pretty clean organization. I think we all yeah, and they got rid of Josh Primo and, and they got rid them. of Josh Primo. Yeah, yeah. I I think what they did was a little bit more like we are internally going to handle this situation. And I'm yeah. sure something like that was communicated with the league where they were like, you can give him whatever you want. He will never put on a Spurs jersey again, which yeah. is absolutely the right move. Um, and I hope, you know, look, what Jaw did was dumb and boneheaded, but it didn't hurt anybody, right? It could have, but it didn't. It didn't hurt anybody. There was It was a victimless crime. He made a stupid mistake and he made it again, like a lot of young people do. We've, like we, we deal with... You know, as former teachers, we deal with kids. We've seen kids make the same mistake two, three, four, five times. We've seen adults make the same mistake two, three, four, five times. I hope this will be John Morant's last, and I think it will be based off the that. accountability. Um, and ba- just based off the conversations that T is having with other kids, I think this will be the last. I I wish John would stop sending stuff on Twitter generally, <laughs> um, but Fair. that's not that's not my business. So my argument is Jaw will learn from this suspension. He's the only one I'm worried about in this situation. Let's keep it pushing. Let's not look to the NBA to decide our moral code. Yeah. They're a multinational corporation. You've got me feeling better about it. That's a very fair perspective. It's just if we're looking at a purely numerical standpoint on league suspensions, it just doesn't make sense. I and agree. I just ask that somebody look into that and, and think about the message you're sending about what you value. But Absolutely. That's some pretty heavy stuff. So let's transition to the other news of the realm, which I promise will be basketball related. Okay. The other news of the realm is the Grizzlies are playing differently in the preseason. And by that, I mean they are attempting way more three-pointers. They're attempting almost 46 threes per game. That's the second most total attempts in the preseason so far. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they're letting it fly. Credit to new assistant coach Patrick St. Andrews for that. But they're not necessarily hitting those threes. They're shooting just 30.6%. That would be 23rd in the league for the preseason thus far. We can get into some individual players shooting stats, but last year the Grizzlies attempted 34 threes per game. So they're bumping that up by about 12 and last year they were 23rd in percentage in the preseason they're again sitting at 23rd in percentage so Carter, my question for you is is it a good thing that the grizzlies are shooting more threes if they're not necessarily making those threes yeah because i i think it spaces the floor a little bit more if if that's a strategy to let it fly i think there's something to be said about you know you just have large, you just, it looms a little larger in a defender's mind when someone is going to let it fly no matter what. And yeah, yeah, this is going to hurt us in some games. I know it will. 
Um, there's going to be games where, like, collectively we all go cold, and the Grizzlies will lose those games. But on the other hand, in a see what we have my mindset, right? You optimize for the better shooters, right? Kennard will shoot better. He just will. Um, I, I have no worries and I have no concerns about that. Roddy at 36%, Laravia at 33%. Not great. Not not like great shooters, but they're young. And if you if the defender knows that they're gonna let let it fly, they have to guard against that. When John Moran comes back, it opens up the floor even more. I think what Patrick St. Andrews saw, he looked at he went back and looked at that Laker series and said, if we had some more shooting threats, not even better shooters, just shooting threats, we optimize John Moran's efficiency and efficient scoring, and suddenly we become a more cohesive, better team. Yeah, it sucks that we're not hitting threes, but just the threat of the threes being shot and the potential of them being made, if that shooting percentage rolls up 33 34 35%, which isn't out of the question for what the assets that we have. I think we open the floor up for John Morant even more than it was last year. And when John Morant comes back after that 25 game suspension, he has a more open floor than he ever has had in the NBA. So I'm excited for, it. I think it's the right move. I think you're a little playing a little bit of 3d chess with teams. You just have to hope it pays off and you have to hope guys hit. None of that's Patrick St. Andrews, problem really he's more of a strategy implementation it's going to be on the front office to maybe find some better shooters or work with what we have yeah and i think it's probably yeah it's probably going to have to be work with what you have and yeah um i will second your take because the grizzlies need to change something up offensively taylor jenkins said that in the wake of really a few seasons consecutively of disappointing offenses, at least half-court offenses, that he wanted to reinvent the wheel with their offense this season. I anticipate that you are still going to see a lot of transition from the Grizzlies, and that is something Patrick St. Andrews agrees with as well. He wants the Grizzlies to play offense in terms of gears, and they want to get to that third gear, which is transition, as much as possible. But when they're in the half-court, one of the best ways to, as you said, open up space for Ja, open up space for Jaron, um, and try to do something differently to improve what has been a middling half-court offense for the entirety of Taylor Jenkins' tenure. Shooting threes could be that answer. Now, I said that the Grizzlies are shooting just 30.6%. Let's put that in context a little bit. It's not good, but Luke Kennard is only shooting 16.7% right now, which is horrible and he was shooting 50% on the Grizzlies last year and so you know I expect that number to go up significantly that will help the Grizzlies average also you've got a lot of players playing minutes right now who won't see the floor outside of garbage time in the regular season they're jacking up threes and not making them for the most part that's bringing down the average as well Um, I just looked at Jaron Desmond and Zaire those three combined are shooting 43% on over six combined makes per game. Okay, so those three matter as much as anybody in terms of your three-point shooting. Um, David Roddy, doing pretty well currently, shooting 
Jake LaRavia and Santi Aldama were the ones who I think will be in the rotation who worried me a little bit. With LaRavia at 33%, okay, but he's supposed to be a shooter, and that just still is not panning out um, at volume. And Santi, one of the great values he adds is being a spacing big. He's shooting just 22% right now. That is worrisome to me because you need those guys to hit threes if they're going to see the floor. But all that to say, it's a good strategy, particularly while John Morant is out. This can be how the Grizzlies buoy their offense. I want to ask you a short question real quick. Yeah. Do you think that some of this shooting dip from Santi is because he's asked to do different things in in St. Andrew's offense? Or do you think it's just – same with Luke. Do you think it's like he's asked to shoot from maybe a different angle or – Maybe in transition. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, do you think it's something like that that's precipitating a a drop in in three-point percentage? As I understand it, this system actually should be better for Santi Aldama specifically because they're going to play five out more often. Yeah. And I don't know what that's going to do to Steven Adams other than what we described on the last episode, which is he's going to have an opportunity to set more screens to free shooters, but... I mean, he made a three in the open practice. I don't think that it would be a good thing at all for him to start jacking up threes in the regular season. But for Santi Aldama, that opens up an opportunity that they're really going to play to the strengths of a spacing big. I expect he's going to start hitting shots. It's just something to monitor. His shooting was streaky last year. By the end of the season, it was pretty reliable. He was among the team's best three-point shooters. It's just there were also stretches where he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and that made him almost unplayable offensively. So we'll see if, uh, if this is just a little preseason blip, but one stat that does worry me completely separate from the shooting. Carnal, what has happened to the Grizzlies rebounding? They are getting consistently dominated on the boards. They surrendered a very high 34% offensive rebounding rate to the Pacers, very high 30% offensive rebounding rate to the Bucks pretty high 27% to the heat. And meanwhile, they're only rebounding 24, 23 and 21% of their own misses. All that to say rebounding rate tells you a lot more than actual rebounding totals. Okay. That doesn't really matter because if one team's missing a lot more shots then the other team's going to get more rebounds, but rebounding rate is telling you how good is a team actually at rebounding. And that picture is not pretty for the Grizzlies right now. Is there something wrong with their rebounding or is this just going to course correct during the season this is my concern um like if i was looking at any stat this would be my bigger concern maybe more than three point percent three point shooting because our core guards are below average in rebounding too like marcus smart is a great defensive guard great perimeter defender probably generational for this era of the nba but He's a below average rebounder from a um, from a advanced stat perspective. That concerns me. Um, John Morant, I don't think has been a good uh, offensive rebounder. So our guards are below average in rebounding. Mm-hmm. If you combine that with this new strategy to jack up three pointers, long shot, long rebound, holding that true, which isn't always true, but holding that true for now. We are asking our guards to do a little bit more rebounding, which right now they do not have the physicality or capability to do. So I'm a little concerned about this. Um, maybe Brandon, do we have an ETA on Brandon Clark's uh, Achilles injury? 
because it sounds like he had a second surgery. Yeah. Um, that climate alluded to that. I yeah. don't think you can expect him back this season. I, I don't think so either, which is a huge, huge hole in our rebounding as well. Yeah. Even Adams can't do it all against a team like the Lakers, like we saw last year, that is really adept at, at gang rebounding and is really adept at signing good rebounders. I'm a little concerned. I think this will be a huge, huge hole that St. Andrews, Taylor Jenkins will need to figure out from the X's and O perspective, and the front office will have to figure out from a player personnel perspective. Um, I'm worried about it. Oh, I just I won't lie. That's I really don't have a, a solution there because our 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 player personnel it is, it is what it is, and it's hard to teach or work on rebounding mid season. So it's just maybe some don't, don't miss shots. I guess <laughs> that's I don't. The Grizzlies rebounding has been something yeah. like this ever since Steven Adams' injury. That's trash, okay? It's been trash since Steven Adams got hurt against the Suns way back in January. But here's why I'm not that concerned about the rebounding over the course of the year, even though it was me who brought up this stat. Steven Adams is going to play, okay? And so far, he's only appeared in two preseason games for about 12 minutes each game. So barely had a chance to impact, uh, make an impact on the court. And yet even still, he is among the Grizzlies' leading rebounders for the preseason, at least on a per-game basis. So with all that in mind, I don't like that the Grizzlies' entire team-building strategy around rebounding is, thank God we have Steven. I don't think that's a super sustainable strategy. But if he's healthy, I'm still not worried about the Grizzlies' rebounding. Um, the problem last year was you were missing both Steven and Brandon Clark, probably your two best rebounders on the entire team. And they just had no way to account for that. Um, your point is well taken. One of the Grizzlies team building problems, and they don't have many, but one of them is John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., your three core players, your three all-stars, if my royal decree is correct. None of them are plus rebounders. I mean, we already know about Jaron. Desmond and Ja, they get a fair amount of boards as guards, but we're talking uncontested boards where they're using to get out and run and transition. So after the Steven Adams era is over in Memphis, and I certainly hope that that is not any time this season, I hope that he's able to produce in a big way, the Grizzlies are going to have to fill that rebounding void because that's one area in which their stars aren't going to get it done on their own. But... Any other thoughts on what you've seen from the Grizzlies in preseason so far? They have one more game left, and honestly, I don't know if we can expect to see the starters play again. So this may be all the information we have before the regular season. I only, I only have two words, really. I tweeted them, too. Get excited. Get excited, it's baby. Season. It's going to be a long one. There's going to be a ton of fun storylines. And do you know where the best place to like, just follow the Grizzlies are? Where? Where is? I think it's the Frozy podcast. So I think so. I'm just super excited. I think, you know, the league, I, there's a, a solid underdog narrative that we have here. Like, the league is kind of, and, and betting sites and all these people are saying, well, yeah. 25 games without your best player. I don't know how you're going to look in the tough Western Conference. Yeah. Look, I love a good sports story. The 30 for 30 is being written right now. Either we're talking about a 901 dynasty or the collapse. And either way, I'd be following right here at Hoops Worldly Podcast. That's that's all I'll say. Let's move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
seriously, we are doing more on social media than ever. So please go out and follow us. TikTok, Twitter, Twitter most of all, but TikTok and Instagram as well. It's going to be a lot of good content there, um, including live tweeting a lot of the game. So please, please, please go out and follow us. Karna's not kidding. This is the best place to get those royal hoops takes uh, and to learn about your Memphis Grizzlies. But we do have one more segment for today's show. That will be the royal court. And for that, we need to hear that beautiful basketball. When you hear the ball, you know you're on that royal court, and you don't just roll the balls out on this royal court. You know you're going to be in for a slugfest between two great basketball minds. Today, these two great basketball minds are going to bring you some prop bets for the season uh, or, or just general betting strategies from a player perspective. How can you take your Grizzlies fandom and Grizzlies knowledge and earn a little cash, have a little fun doing it. Karna, I'll let you go first. What is your betting strategy in terms of player props this season? This is what I'm going to say. I think the league will undervalue Zaire Williams. I'm going to keep this really short. I think the league will undervalue Zaire. I sure hope everybody's paying attention because that is a fantastic betting strategy. I will be using that on my own. Karna, you may not be a betting man, but I will be profiting off that strategy. I do agree that Zaire is going to be undervalued. And when you see the opportunity to capitalize, and I believe he should be listed uh, in terms of player over under points um, for most games, take it. And I'm not even going to say just against bad defensive teams. I'm going to say pretty much any time in these first 10 games, if Zaire is doing what he has been doing in the preseason, he is going to outperform expectations. Like, I cannot tell you the numbers. But I would expect that his over-under is going to be set at something like 9.5 points. Take the over. He's going to get opportunities. And if his shooting splits from the preseason are any indication, he's going to take advantage of those opportunities. So I love that strategy. My strategy is also simple. um, And it also has to do with opportunities. Over on Jaron and Desmond points while John Morant is out. And I'm not going to say take both of them on every single game because obviously the numbers are going to course correct. But these numbers are going to be based on their averages from last year. They're going to be based on what Vegas thinks about Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. But what we know as Grizzlies fans is that these guys are better than really anybody around the country knows. And they're going to have to carry a much heavier load. I would also look at betting over on Desmond Bain assists in the first 25 games because he's going to have a lot of playmaking opportunities. Last year, I took this quite a few times. He would be at three and a half, four and a half assists per game. That would be his mark. Even if this year it's at five and a half assists per game, take that over because he's going to have six or seven quite frequently, if not averaging that in the first 25 games without John Morant. One season-long prop bet to look out for. If you want to take a flyer on either one of those two guys, Trip or Bain, to make All-NBA, you can get some pretty good odds. Plus 2,500 for Desmond Bain, plus 3,500 for Jaron Jackson Jr. So you really just have to sprinkle a little bit for a big payday. 
it's going to be a tight competition. The West is loaded, but Damian Lillard just left the Western Conference. There's room for a guard on those all NBA teams. And if he really breaks out, we know John Morant's not even eligible for this award, but if Desmond Bain really breaks out, he could be one of those guards. Jaron Jackson Jr., again, tons of competition at the forward spot, but people know him as a defender. If he shows people what he can do offensively too, he might get some love for those all NBA teams as well. Karna, any thoughts on those Jaron and Desmond bets? I love it. I, I think it's a really smart bet. I think there's some duration things that we can do um, with the season long and the game by game. Love it. King, proven that you're a great basketball mind, man. Love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> well, most of all, we just can't wait to watch Grizzlies basketball. And no, Grizzlies, man. Just just have some fun. Like, yeah. even if it's in your mind, just bet on the Grizzlies and listen to this podcast because we, are, we love the Grizzlies. We love Memphis. We love the Grizzlies. And we're so excited to see if, if we're going to bring a ring or some hardware back this year. I'm, I'm so pumped. So the real question is, Karna, should the parade start on Beal or finish on Beal? Dude, it should start on Get Well, dude. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Get Well's where I taught. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could start wherever. I don't care. As long as I'm there, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, a little ending on Beal would be, woo! <laughs> It'd be so fun. Be lit. Yeah. We need it like we need air, okay? Yeah. Um. We're not going to go so far as to place that bet, but do go back to our last episode to check out some season-long Grizzlies team total bets that that I think you're going to like, um, and we're all about them. But, Karna, any other thoughts before we wrap up our second-to-last preseason episode? Three words. Get excited. Get excited, baby. That's the theme of this episode. But we will be back a week from today on Monday, and then we will have an instant reaction to the Grizzlies' first game on Wednesday, October 25th, about nine days from now, against the Pelicans. That should be ready for you on your Thursday morning commute. So get our thoughts on what will hopefully be a big Grizzlies opening night win. But please, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. And go out, like and subscribe on YouTube. Five-star reviews, nice comments, wherever you listen to this podcast. Really want to grow the show in this coming season. Tell your friends. Tell... Any Grizzlies fan you know, tell any Grizzlies hater you know, we welcome them one and all because we got some Royal Hoops takes here at Hoops Royalty. I'm King Jemison alongside, as always, Karna Venkatraj. Have a wonderful last days of your offseason.